0: Namaste. One of the aspects of uh, yoga and life, which Mother brings out very beautifully, is to remain young, forever young. So what does it mean to remain forever young? We think by maintaining appearances. The body should look as I was sixteen my whole appearance should be. But that's not forever remaining young. Because, in fact, it becomes anachronistic because inwardly we have stopped progressing. Our whole focus is on the body. And the mother gives a very beautiful description of remaining young to strive always towards the future. To strive towards greater and greater perfection. And this cannot be as long as we follow a limited human ideal. The more limited the ideal, the less the youthfulness. Limited ideal is, Shubhinda says that in traditional yogas, it's like a artificial canals. You jump here, you come out there. Finished. And you get a gold medal, silver medal and, or thomber medal, bronze medal. But this yoga is like an ocean. There is no end. Very often people get very uh, frightened. Oh, there is no end. It is beautiful there is no end because the divine has no end because creation has no end. And to know that something has no end means to enter into the endless infinity. Whereas when we say there is a beginning point, this is how we start, You know, because in mental frames operate like that. If you are taking up a job, where you can reach, I can become MD, CEO, okay, fine. So people have an end point in mind and they proceed according to that. Even religions put an end point. What is the end point of religion? If you do this, after death, you will be in grave. One day, suddenly somebody will raise you from the grave. Quite a frightening sight, by the way. To rise from the grave, everybody. Whatever it means. Or in some other way, you don't believe, you believe rebirth. So, your end point is when you will have mukti. So, that's your end point. But there is, on the other hand, we said the divine is infinite. The divine creation is Infinite. Manifestation is infinite. So what how can we fix an endpoint? There is in fact no endpoint. There is a constant progression and march of civilization of mankind, and that's where Shabinda brings in this evolutionary perspective, which is something amazing. It is there, but it even evolution, we are told there is an endpoint. Materially, actually, biologists that we are more open because they say naturally, logically, man cannot be the last. There has to be something more than man, biologically. But spiritually, if you no, no, man is the ultimate. After man, there will be nothing else, which is paradoxical. Because spiritually, when you believe the divine is infinite, he is not a finite something. So we should even more greatly believe that the evolution, the progress, man's own progress, there would be no limit. How can we set a term and limit? So this prayer is a beautiful prayer reminding us that the divine is infinite, And when we go toward that, what comes in the way is our own formations, our own past acts like a drag. So it doesn't allow us to go. We want to rest content with whatever we have achieved. But we must always go, as Mother said, forward, ever forward, ever forward. I Once again, this story several times, but this is something which I have seen in front of my eyes. So I always remember it with great joy so amal kiran at 104 in nursing home and a group of young buddhist monks had come to meet him so these buddhist monks all must be in their 20s late 20s or maybe an odd monk in early 30s all nice smart so amal kiran 104 they wanted to meet they must have heard something so they came to amal kiran and asked him for a message so amal kiran was quiet for some time Now look at the paradox. Buddhist monks, the goal is liberation, this world is sorrow, suffering, transient. So you leave it and go. Amal Kiran gives a message, it's a message of the mother incidentally. Forward, ever forward. Do not look left, do not look right, keep moving forward. Now it was amazing to hear that. Of course I know it is mother's message. But to... Look at the perspective. A 104-year-old man is not giving them that, you know, good, you have chosen, you know, this world, it is full of suffering, pain, very nice. At young age, you have decided to quit the world. Call it quits. And you have chosen to take the path of the monk. God bless you. Like, you know, many people with old age, they tend to become. At 104, he is young because he is saying, move forward, ever forward. We see it in mother's life. I do not know people I have noticed, I am sure they have noticed that. Imagine at 91, she starts a new company, if I may use the word. What is that company? It is a whole city, the city of Don Auroville. The most fascinating part about Auroville is this, that at 91, now it needs, you are sure that resources will come. It needs tremendous confidence, I am saying humanly, that it will be, people advised her, some of her close attendants, In fact, one of the attendants told her, it is there in his book, Mother, I know you are divine, but this is a mistake you are doing. Mother's reply was a smile. She smiled. And you see, when Auroville started, it started from just the opposite of the ideal. Ideal is unity, human unity. It started with tremendous fights. Because that's how divine loves to build He creates the opposition to build unity. He creates death to spur us towards immortal life. He creates hate and cruelty so that true love can blossom in the presence of that. He creates the challenge of death so that life can strive towards immortality. So she just smiled and look at that smile of the Divine Mother. She said, Auroville is a dream of the Supreme Lord and very often... The dream of the Supreme Lord is much more real than all the so-called practical wisdom of humanity. Auroville is not practical wisdom. And yet Auroville is, and it's growing and progressing. So we have this prayer which invites us. Mother has used the word infinite adventure. And if we remember it, Then life is beautiful. There are people who get an experience or something. They are looking for some experience. If they get it, they, oh, I had this experience. Look at Shorabindu. He had all the experiences before 1910. People would covet. Oh, Nirvana, lifetimes yoga. You read Buddha's Jataka tales, how many lives. What was Shorabindu doing? If you see some of the lives... Previous life, he was fighting a revolution, <laughs> even in this life. Vasudevam Sarvamiti Samahatma Chadurlava. And yet, Srivindo, after all these experiences, does not stop there. He says, now my work begins. And in one of his letters to Barinda, in 1920, he says, for 18 hours a day, I can dwell in the Brahman," And then he says that... Uh, why i don't want to follow that path which many people have taken in india he says the average vedantin touches nothing but the hem of god god's dress not even his hem of god's dress the bhakta dances with you know uh, like a madman and he says few men like that dancing on the street he said do you think this can re- this is really india this is what will change india this is the true India. This is not the spirit of India. Not exact word but something like that. 1920 letter of Parinda. It's written somewhere in April. It's just before mother's final coming. So it's a very significant letter. He says, this is not what I want to go into. Because he says, Ki, why don't you wrap up your bundles? He says, I have done my bit of man-making and all this bundle. I am looking for something else. This is a very beautiful. In one of the essays he says, that uh, he describes all about Vedanta and this, that. He says, if this, these things do not satisfy me, it is because I am seeking a light which is shadowless. Something yet beyond. Something even the Vedic rishis have not done. So, there is a new tendency in today's generation which has to be understood, not rubbished. The new tendency is when they, you talk to them about India's past glory. After a while, they get cheesed off. It's okay We have heard all about it But look at what, what's happening today And it's a very it's, For the moment It's a beautiful tendency Shobindu reminds us Past is a springboard Towards the future We do, long, do not belong To past dawns But to noons of the future It's good to know the past Because that's when your soul Has flushed awake It's like you know when you take to yoga Those first moments of turning When you're full of joy And full of you know It's wonderful but you can't stop there. You have to go much further, much further. So this aspect that there is no limit to human progress. no, li- And even when you step into the divine, look at the divine himself. When did he start? Ekoham Bahushyami, his project? We don't know. Time had not begun. Ask him when is he going to be over? He will say it started with me. And since I am ageless, deathless, endless, so well it continues. Infinite progression So in this prayer She reminds us To always always Keep progressing Forward ever forward And it's a prayer Dated January 9th 1914 And first she describes the Lord See whenever we talk about Lord We, we describe through A list of qualities But what do we understand Even our understanding Of these qualities Is limited by human conception When you say God is all loving Yes he is loving Extremely loving. And then there is a pralaya. So we don't know. So why pralaya is there? Oh, human beings are sinners. You know, that's what happened when there was plague. Human beings are sinners. Because we can't pass the burden to God, no? He's all loving, how can he do it? But Sri Aurobindo says in essence on the Gita that Indian thought had the courage to admit that this too is God see when people read the gita they find it very difficult to understand chapter 11 i mean i had this uh, when suddenly Sri krishna describes himself who is he arjuna has just asked who are you such beautiful things you are saying then he shows who is he and you have that image still remember mahabharata is a gauri image huh? Even Sri Aurobindo, when Sri Aurobindo was asked by Nirodha, Sir, what about your Vishrup? He says, yes, but it is not like that gori image with uh, yodhas in the dant, in my teeth, <laughs> stuck in the teeth. You actually see that, no? They are all going helplessly and then coming out. Of course, there is a beautiful side also, anek, pushpam, um, fragrance, everything is there. But it has, we have to understand this totality. He, you, we cannot bind the divine by any conception. So she, re- she reminds us, O oh Lord, unseizable reality. So one place Shuramanda says, say not that you know him. You can become him, you cannot know him. <laughs> you can know only that much which he lets you to know. You can't know everything. You can become, that is given to man. You can become God, one with God. Par Brahman He says you cannot know Par Brahman Because it's absolute Knowledge means you have You will experience But experience See even human experience is so difficult to put in words And that experience of that Out of whom Billions and trillions Just look at the material field Trillions of stars are rushing out Blazing Million times brighter than our sun So This is one universe. Many like that. How can human consciousness say I know him and people discuss philosophically as if they are talking about you know, something which uh, is so trivial. By sometime by over philosophizing we trivialize the mightiness, the splendor. Thou who constantly escapes before our conquering advance even though it is effective. Remember now that aphorism Sin is a trick of Krishna. The other day we were reading that aphorism, no? Where the divine, when you say, Ah, I have achieved something. God says, oh, is it? Okay. (laughs) Conquering. He says, there is a... We have to go that way. Conquering advance. Yet, next level is, he says, now you catch me. There was a movie. Catch me if you can. He will advance forward. So you go there and say, Ah, here I have got you. Then he will again, once again, show us you cannot. So this way, time comes. When you don't even realize, but your consciousness begins to get molded into the consciousness of the Lord. Why does he do it? It will look like an illusion through a series, one after another. Oh, Murthy is God. Rath jane na path jane ami dev. People it, right? circumambulation. Oh, this path that leads to God is God himself. Rat jane Dev, Jagannath rati Yatra. I am God. See, everybody is going towards me. Dev jane Dev. The Murti is thinking, I am God. And then Tagore says, Hase antar yami. He says, I am within you, fool. <laughs> Where are you? And there is no limit. No limit, endless. So she reminds us, Thou who constantly escapest before our conquering advance, even though it is effective, and who wilt always be the unknown, in spite of all that we shall learn to know of Thee, she's not saying don't try to know Thee. That's why she is adding the clause, even though it is effective, because every time we gain a ground, we understand life better, world better. This is what we are here for we Move a step towards perfection. Some people say, Oh, he's unknowable, so no point. That Zen kind of approach. Or, like some paramansas who say, Self you realize, let the field of nature be Pishachvat or Balvat, it doesn't matter. No, conquering advance. This is given to man. This is the joy of life. No other species is given this joy. I don't know why human beings think that at 25, when they have a degree, worse still, marriage. Job, good job, now you are settled. This is the most unsettling thing. This word should be thrown out of the window. Even ashram, I have joined the ashram, now I am settled. <laughs> now you are unsettled. <laughs> you believed you are settled. Now you see how unsettled you will be. And you say, just join it. <laughs> the Lord is taking us Seriously. If you are settled means he is not taking you seriously. He is a kindergarten student. Let him be happy with toys. But when he takes you seriously, he gives, snatches a toy. You catch another toy, snatches it. Like that till you learn to play with the real. So it's a journey. And so it's so beautiful. So she is inviting us to this adventure. In spite of all that we shall have ravished from the eternal mystery. Look at the word. Ravished. There is such a bhakti, a joy in it. That divine is saying, no, 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 no. You try to catch me and you catch him. Suddenly he vanishes. But what is left in your hand? Some touch, quivering touch of his joy. Oh, yes, yes. Some perfume, some fragrance. Maybe a piece of cloth. We have that story, no? Radharani's is... Um, Paau me kya pehenti? Payal. Gunguru. Gunguru ni, payal. Gunguru is not a good word. Pile. So there's a whole story like that, you know, she came and when she goes, pile is left. Like that. That something of the divine touch you receive. See, it's so significant that story in Ramayana. Hanuman has to remind Sita, that's how it is put, that I am coming from Lord Rama. Hanumanji is very smart, he is wise. He asks the Lord, "Tell me, what shall I carry to remind her?" He knows <laughs> Mother Sita doesn't need to see something outward, but he knows that how she, this is the first touch she will receive. So very smartly, and Rama smiles. That's how it is. See, many places in Ramayana they are put cryptically for the bhakta to decipher, decode. So you have the joy of some revelation. If everything is described, then it's like any other novel. There's no mystery in it. So Anuman takes that mudrika. And when he is sitting, now imagine, he is sitting on top of a tree. Why does he have to drop the mudrika? He drops the mudrika. And when she sees, what a joy. Now look at it from the mystic point of view. Before you find God, there are touches, there are contacts, there are relations you form with Him. Who is Mother Sita? She is the Divine Mother. But she has subjected herself voluntarily to become Abidya That's how she has come in the position of the Asura. How does the change start? Starts with hope. She knows, wherever I may be, the Lord will come and redeem me. Faith. And faith, in spite of all appearances, then comes the touch, Mudrika. Then comes one of the angels. Then come the signs. And then eventually we see that he comes. So this is the process. So she says, ravished. It's a wonderful word. We have ravished you. Can you imagine what a love it means? We would, with a complete and constant effort, combining the multiple paths which lead towards the advance like a rising and indomitable flood. Look now the bhakti is rising. Why should we only be, I am following this path, I am following that path, this sect, that cult. He is infinite. Why not through bhakti? I am not talking a path in terms of this guru, that guru. That is a fallacy. Every which way, I will meet him in the most trivial. Why not? I can tell him that, you know, I am watching this uh, play of the dog and the kittens. Not kitten. Pups. Where are you? Why not? Isn't it? In everything. Small little things. So when you live life in that sense of wonder, and this is what, unfortunately, mental knowledge has done. It has robbed us of wonder. So there are two kinds of people. One who have the knowledge and those who do not have the knowledge. And the sign is, those who do not have the knowledge say that I have the knowledge. (laughs) And those who have the knowledge always say, wonder, whatever I know is only this much. Sir, but you know a lot. No, 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 no. There is so much more. So they are filled with wonder and joy. Those who believe they have the knowledge don't have the knowledge. They are very serious, encrusted people. They will teach you very seriously, take their knowledge very seriously. They have turned it into a system. And they will draw a chart. On chart, they will say, You see, supermind is there. You see, this is body. Have you seen this? Where is supermind not there? It is there even in the inconscient. How can you reduce it to a three-dimensional, two-dimensional image? Because it belongs to the fourth dimension. What is fourth dimension? Very easy to understand. Mother says you cannot understand spiritual life unless you understand fourth dimension. The, if you go through the scientific way, it's a little complicated. Because that's about physics. But I am giving you a very simple analogy. analogy. When you imagine, okay, You imagine in which dimension? Try to think. Beyond a point, there is a kind of imagination which is within the dimension. You have gone to there, you are meeting in there. But there is a kind of imagination which goes beyond dimensions. When you imagine a world of endless light with colors springing out of it, which dimension is it? For a moment, if you really go into that you will forget the dimensions. It's here, but it's nowhere. And yet it is here, it is everywhere. So it's just an example. Fourth dimension. So all spiritual experiences, true spiritual experience. When you are drowned in peace, the whole world recedes. But we, which is the space in which you are actually experiencing that peace? When we say we have gone within and suddenly we hit a zone, where is that zone? Which dimension is it? So it's a fourth dimension. All these experiences take place. Fourth dimension is a dimension which has the possibility of being everywhere and yet it is nowhere. That's how divine is everywhere. And yet we may say that nowhere within this frame. And yet he is there in the atom, most smallest atom of existence. So she says, why not? So many ways we can advance. So when we combine these paths, then what happens? Then we become... Advance like a rising and indomitable flood. Your heart, your head, your passions, your very body, your soul, everything is coming together. See, this is the integral yoga described so beautifully. Mother is not using any of those terms. She's not saying integral yoga equals to mind plus life plus heart plus body. It is not meditation plus heart yoga plus asanas and pranayam, None of those things. But what is she describing? Combining the different paths... And then what happens, your whole, what? What, did, what is she combining? The aspiration, the aspiration of the mind for knowledge, of the heart for love, of life for eternal youth, for power, for luminous force, of the body for immortality. Now, all these are combined together and become one single aspiration. Then the whole being becomes like an indomitable flood. So what happens with this flood? Breaking all obstacles. That's why the limited paths take you to a point. I am a bhakta, I want to meet personal God as Krishna Shiva, and Shiva comes and very good Har Mahadev, that's it. You come back. I want to meet Krishna, which Krishna? I want to see him playing Murli with his one feet around the other and Pitambar Vastradhari. So he says, okay, I'll come like that. But Krishna is very naughty, huh? he can come in jeans. Don't <laughs> don't don't fix dress for him. Don't fix any code for him. He is the one who broke all codes. Rama may come. Like the way you imagine him to be in, you know, Shastrand. Lord Rama is Maryada Purushottam. Krishna, oh, you imagine I'll be like this. Okay, I'm going to fool you. (laughs) So, So, then what happens? Now, what are these obstacles? These are the obstacles. Mind's concept, this sect, this path, taking to a limited... Aspect. Why go beyond Durga? I had a vision of Durga. Fine, but don't confine to that. See her everywhere operating as a shaft of light, destroying darkness. That is Durga, crossing all barriers, lifting all veils. Because when you combine this, that's why integral yoga. Because it's just one part cannot take you to the integral divine. Supramental divine, by his very nature, if you may use the word, is integral. So if you want to reach the super mind, you cannot do it by any, any of these one-sided. I'll only do meditation, I'll only do uh, intellectual gymnastics. So we'll lead you nowhere, not even meditation. But I'll do only meditation, sit and meditate. It cannot take you to that because a part is not uh, opening up and the divine is that totality. So that's why Shivananda uses the word integral conception of divine in synthesis. So what does it do? This aspiration, which climbs like this, lifting all veils, dispersing all clouds, piercing all darknesses. See, one part is aspiring, other part is not. The bhakta says, I have nothing to do with knowledge. And what will happen? There will be darkness in the head. That's how religions are formed. Or the person says, Bhaktas, they are all, you know, they are second grade people, not realizing God is closer to the heart than the head. They don't know. God is inside all. So, he misses the point. <laughs> he is not only inside, he is also outside. See, it's a very simple thing which he has missed. Or, you say, I am a Bhakta of the Lord, but all these people, this work, service, what is there in it? Are you? How? What kind of Bhakta who doesn't serve? Can there be anybody who says, I love you? Very good. Then, you know, when you are going to do something, the person is just watching, smiling. And then you are doing, looking towards you know, you just said you love me. I love you. (laughs) But you do your own thing. What kind of of love is it for God? That doesn't translate into service. If you really, really love the Lord, you will want to serve Him. And if you really love Him, you would want to know Him so that you can serve Him better. There is a prayer of the mother that we aspire to know the To love thee and to serve thee. To know thee so as to love thee better and to serve thee better. If you want to serve somebody, wouldn't you want to know what the person would prefer? It's not like, you know, you go in the morning, sir, morning tea. The person will say, okay, keep it. But actually, you know, I like coffee. You don't know. So you do service, but I don't need to know. These people who want to know, they are all, you know... Uh, Pandit This is the Kind of reduce them Pandit is one thing But true knowledge No I don't want to know I just want to serve Okay But you may be doing That kind of service Which the monkey did To the king There was a little fly People cautioned him Don't keep such people In service No 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 My friend So monkey Guarding the king's uh, In sleep So a fly came Sat on the king's chest (laughs) he had the sword in hand he wanted to kill the mon- fly and kill the king what was he doing service <laughs> so we need to know how to serve the lord condition of service is no haste no impatience in peace and quietude the eternal manifest vital is an illusion oh i have done so much service how many hours you did you? Uh, no nee, you say Five hours. Only five hours. I do ten hours, you know. What is it? Five hours only. See, I do so much work for the divine. It is not like that. It is, we must know the divine. What is service? What is the divine will inside me? That is to service. And all else is a training to tune into that. So, she says, advance towards thee, always towards thee, with a movement so powerful, So, irresistible That a whole multitude will be swept on behind us When we advance like that Then what happens? Because you are advancing In different dimensions So everything that is See, with each part of us We touch a world Through the heart we touch certain things Through the mind we touch some other things Through the life we touch certain things Through the physical body we touch certain elements so when you advance like that, your entire being, then the whole world is swept behind you because everything that is connected with you starts getting pulled. And if you are like a tornado, it's bound to pull everything in its wake. You don't have to say, come, come, who is coming, not coming, sign up, nothing. Look how Mother and Shibindu have worked. And the earth, conscious of thy new and eternal presence... She's not wanting people to come behind for any person's sake. For the sake of earth. Earth and the eternal presence. So she is what? She is mediating between the two, beautifully. So, and the earth, conscious of thy new and eternal presence. Why is she saying new? Presence, eternal presence everywhere. Because now the divine's presence was always there, but he was hidden through the mind. He had deliberately clothed himself in that cloth. And man approached him through that veil. That's why she is saying removing all veils. Veil of religion. When God comes, he must be always in a crucified state. Or playing the flute on Yamuna. So, very difficult, no? If there is no Yamuna, where will you find or he has to be sitting on top of Himalaya. I was watching one somebody, oh, sadhu is going all the way to Kidarnath in some place and Harar Mahad. It's okay. No, no, nothing wrong. But don't confine Shiva to that. That you have to do that kind of practice. Even Shiva wouldn't like because he's Ashutosh. Enter the inner Himalayas and walk barefoot, that is something. What is he, walking barefoot on this? It's okay. It's good physical Siddhi. But the real crux is If you can walk barefoot, shedding all your, you know, that footwear, the inconscient state and walk to the inner Himalayas, that is something which Shiva will find pleasing. So, we have this, when we advance like that, the new and eternal presence. What is this new presence? Because it's unfolding itself every time new. So, she is saying, not only the divine presence in the unmanifest, the static, but the dynamic unfolding of the divine in life. Doesn't it happen that, you know, with the, sa- the same mother, but different times you have a different feel, different experience of her in different ways. So this is the newness of that presence. And now, of course, without all we is the supramental state. And the earth, conscious of thy new and eternal presence, will understand at last what are her true ends. Ends, what ends we have placed before us. I'm not talking of those who take ends as roti kapra this these are most absurd, it's an animal life actually. But even intellectually, some kind of knowledge, some degree, some bank balance, it goes still further. But even spiritually, what are the ends? Mukti, this is this path. Some people say I have to meet the Bindu. I have to see, I mean, this Jyoti, what is this? You want to limit the divine to one aspect, one, it, wonderful, but to limit him? So here she says, true end. So what is the true end? She will teach us. And live in the harmony and peace of thy sovereign realization. She's used the word harmony and peace. Why two words? Again, harmony has to do with unfolding. By its nature, in peace, there is no unfolding. In peace, you are alone, immersed in that silence. But harmony means there is more than one. There is creation, there is world, there are people. So harmony and peace. Again, we see the dynamic aspect. So what is what should be our approach? What should be our attitude? Teach us ever more. Enlighten us more and more. She is teaching us how to pray. How to aspire? Dispel our ignorance. Illumine our minds. Transfigure our hearts. And then she says something very beautiful. And give us that love which never fades. Love fades away. Why does it fade away? The mother says in one of the places. Sri in Savitri also described, Love moves a wandering guest. So why does it fade away? It fades away because human heart is not ready. It immediately turns it into my love, your love, I am giving you love, you are not giving me, how much you are giving me. This is not uh, pyar, it is vyapar. So after some time it fades away, it doesn't like or hate and then worse things, we don't want to get into that. So after some time, love fades away in the human heart. So she is asking for a love which never fades and and make thy sweet law blossom in every being we are thine to all eternity not just in this life in this formation but in eternity lives after lives we are yours and then before that she says blossom in every being not only me this idea that my realization my experience all these are so childish They pale away in front of this enormous program that she has kept before us. So it's a wonderful prayer. I'll read again. January 9, 1914. O Lord, unceasable reality, Thou who constantly escapest before our conquering advance, even though it is effective, And who will always be the unknown, in spite of all that we shall learn to know of thee. In spite of all that we shall have ravished from thy eternal mystery. We would, with a complete and constant effort, combining the multiple paths which lead towards thee, advance like a rising and indomitable flood. Breaking all obstacles, crossing all barriers, lifting all veils, dispersing all clouds, piercing all darkness. Darknesses advance towards thee, always towards thee with a movement so powerful, so irresistible that a whole multitude will be swept on behind us and the earth conscious of thy new and eternal presence will understand at last what are her true ends and live in the harmony and peace of thy sovereign realization. People say Sraubhindo writes long sentences. (laughs) Long sentences are needed to give a complete truth, unbroken continuity. Whenever you put a period, a full stop. It's pure grammar. So though the sentences are supposed to be connected, but there is something between the gaps. Like everything, wherever you put gaps, there is something left to the person's mind to understand. But when the whole thing is flowing like a cascade, it's one single movement which starts from that we don't know you, you are unseizable And then it grows on into different parts of the being and then becomes one indomitable flood. And then this flood advances and as it advances... Earth advances, and the earth advances towards the true ends. How beautiful this is. Towards that goal of harmony and peace of thy sovereign realization. It reminds me, there is a. We have, of course, first in that canto, Kingdoms of the Greater Mind, where we see many of these seers, sects, cults, all their origins there. And Shobindu speaks, beings of that world, the diameter of infinity was drawn, things like that. And then he says, By knowing too much, they missed the one thing to be known. They interpreted every act of God. But they could not know the dream prints in her eyelashes. What are the dream prints? What she is going to do? The magic? Oh, she is going to do this, that, Kalyuk, 4 lakh, 20 thousand, all kinds of things. But the mother opens her eyes and Kalyug ends. You don't need <laughs> calculation. When she will open the eye, the day she opens the eye, Kalyug ends. People often say, no, Kalyug ended when Sri Ramakrishna set his feet. Kalyug ended on 29th February 1956. I have a new theory. <laughs> Adding one more theory. Huh? <laughs> Take it or leave it. Kalyug ended the day Shurabindu uttered the word Ma, mother, before mother. He installed the Divine Mother upon earth. Can earth have any other destiny if Divine Mother is installed in matter? It is fulfilled. That's why later on, who fulfills? A new light shall break upon earth, changes. This September prayer, 1914, changes into. A new light O Lord Thou hast willed And I execute A new light Breaks upon the earth The things that were promised Are fulfilled In 1956 24th April She added this Things that were promised Are fulfilled Why? Because they were fulfilled So the day Sri said Mother He knew But a moment has to come when the mother has to be fixed in the external consciousness of earth, she didn't want people to know. Once Shobindu was doing that automatic writing, and he would often call different, Dantan will come once Sri Ramakrishna, and one day somebody said, Tell us about her mother. And Shobindu was about to write something, and mother said, No, nothing about me. And the pen dropped because she didn't want. But a day came when the Time was ready and she was ready, she had sanctioned. And he said, Mother, Satyug started. Rest is all events. We can even say the day she was born, a spirit celestial of its source aware descended into earth's mould, ignorant mould, and looked upon all with large and tranquil eyes and wept not fallen to mortality a new epiphany appeared in her. A mind of light. She brought it to earth. Earth's destiny was fixed. Kalyuk started ending. Satyuk started. Because When does the day start? Midnight. Sun has decided, I am going to turn towards, earth is going to turn towards me. But we technically say, today's sunrise will be 5.59 a.m. and so on. So this is... So powerful, so greater minds, he says, Sri says. And all their knowledge was circled with a knot. And the transcendent kept his, veiled his decree. They knew so much. So we'll have people talking, Very stay away from people who have read a lot. Huh? All hodgepodge in the mind. Nothing wrong with reading, but learn to assimilate and integrate it with truth. Otherwise it... So this is something written by him, this is something written by him and they create a khichdi, not a very tasty khichdi, may a good khichdi, it's okay. So then even heavens of the ideal, where you see the origin of sex, even there, Shabindu says, no, even there, there is not that ultimate unity. Heavens of the ideal is the over mind gods and therefore he goes beyond. Why did Shabindu seek the super mind? Precisely for this purpose and then it closes with something so beautiful teach us ever more enlighten us more and more dispel our ignorance illumine our minds transfigure our hearts and then this favorite line and give us that love which never fades and make thy sweet law blossom in every being we are thine To all eternity Note the perfection of words We talk about divine law No How do we talk about divine law We speak of the divine law Law of karma Even recently some I don't know people unthinkingly forward Really This is something WhatsApp has taught Or they have stopped thinking Anybody Swamiji says something Oh this is beautiful No See the content What is it teaching Somebody gave a TED talk and he's saying the law of karma in simple terms, and somebody gets a whip later on, he says, "You know the hand, some, some, something, something. Law of punishment and reward is so primitive. Whoever made this law of karma real has to be very demonic. We don't realize that the divine law itself evolves. there is no one law. See this is interesting. Shavinda says, the law of Moses." is replaced by the law of Christ. What is the law of Moses? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Jesus is born Jew. He, many of the Jewish practices is followed, actually followed. Later on people tried to separate him but that's why in Christianity even now you have the Old Testament still valid and Moses is a prophet. What did he bring into it? Brought into it the law of compassion and forgiveness. See, the same lineage an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth compassion even when my body bleeds on the cross forgiveness born out of divine love and sacrifice in matter even for the gross misunderstanding doubts fear that people throw upon you this is the new law still further what is the new law she says therefore Christ hangs still upon the cross And Vrindavan is not yet realized upon earth. What is that told? Because man is not ready. Crucified body we are worshipping. And then the mother brings the new law. It is not a crucified body, but a glorified body that will save the world. So what happens with the crucified body? Gospel of suffering. Suffering is indispensable. You cannot advance unless you suffer. No, this is not what mother is saying. She is saying... Do not invite suffering, do not shun it either. Don't try to run away if suffering comes. This is a very subtle distinction. Not that give me suffering so that I may progress. It's a perverse thing to ask suffering. More perverse is to seek only pleasure, (laughs) just to put the record straight. It's to go beyond suffering and pleasure into that delight of existence. That's what she says. As long as you seek pleasure, you will have suffering. Because it will come as a corrective. Don't seek pleasure. Don 't seek suffering, but seek the delight of existence that comes through union with the divine. so this is what she is reminding us the sweet law, not the law of death. The law of death is the old law. What is the new law of karma? shobindo reveals to us the new law is divine love effaces all karmas, divine grace will save you even from the densest abyss. Why man didn't believe it? It's so beautiful. Man was not ready. He had to go through this, all this training. If you read through Shervinda and the mother's letters, everything, the ultimate refrain, the last refrain is, Ma, Ma, Ma. Last refrain is that. And mother herself says, I have different poisons. My highest is, where there is unconditional grace doesn't matter what you have done not done it's irrelevant she gives this example of when mridu dies and you know there is the forehead she sees shurbindu symbol and she says regardless of the state of consciousness this is the highest law why because the divine has created all this and he understands but what is required from our side for this sweet law to manifest open that's all she's asking us: stay open to me, be receptive. That's all, and rest she will do. This much, even if we don't remain open and receptive, still the earth will be transformed. This is the big assurance she brings. But naturally, it will mean upheavals because earth has to be. At some point, you have to gain an entry point. No, see, so God is knocking, knocking at every door, and you say, no, 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 no. This is for my relative. This is for my this friend. This is for the money. This is for my ambition. So, he said, Where do I come? But no, but you come, change me. So, one day he say, Okay, fine, are you ready? Yes. So, he will blast a door and enter. And he said, well, What have you done? You have stripped me bare. I was not even bare, wearing my clothes. And you entered unasked for. He will say, Yes, yes, yes. You know what? I waited for too long, my child. But you were also calling. So, I had to come. In any case, you are mine. I have to change you. You don't recognize it. So, he comes. So you say, oh, comfort zones are gone, come out. Oh, please keep me in my house, no way. What are you going to do? I'll build you, I'll give you a new house. What is that new house? Look up, what is it? <laughs> this is your new house, magnificent sky. Earth, this is your new home. You forgot it, you thought your house is within that mud walls. I'm going to teach you what the new house is. This was the original house which you forgot. So sweet law, this is the sweet law, which, which if we open, receptively surrender, the divine wants us to take us like that. At one point, Sri the says, why is there death? Why does he use such harsh ways? People often ask. He says, well, because the material is very hard, it resists. It is iron ore. So he has to use a hammer. He says, if humanity becomes more refined, his methods will also become Gentler That is the real meaning of Sonar ki saw chot Why sonar? Sonar is making a The goldsmith is doing tak tuck tuck tak tuck tuck, tuck tuck Gentle Why? Because it's gold If it does like that It will finish So go through that furnace of purification Become that shining metal And he will also gently shape us Without need of anything like that But you refuse and resist Iron ore then he is going to... Then, not even... He will not do it. Lifting the hammers of titanic toil, the demiurges of the universe work. There are forces and beings who will say, this fellow, Iron, Steel banna hai? Ah, ha? banna hai? Achcha, <laughs> Come. You want to become steel? Yes. Come. Make me steel. He'll furnace. What? It's 3000 degrees centigrade temperature. Yes. But gold doesn't have to be exposed to that kind of temperature. You'll see. Have you seen? It's a gentle flame. Tuck, tuck, tuck. And you have a beautiful something coming out of it. So she has come to bring to her the sweet law. Not the law of pain. Mother doesn't want us to suffer. She doesn't want us to struggle and, you know, go through pain. Yet it comes. Unfortunately, they don't want it. Unfortunately, because the heart of men are sealed To the voice divine. Therefore comes. This world's dread, teacher, pain. Still they want to shelter us. Still they save us. Stop with this and give us that love which never fades. And make thy sweet law blossom in every being. We are thine to all eternity.